children. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word with joy. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Our Psalter reading is Psalm 19, verses 7 through 13. Listen for the word of the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired they are than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect one's own errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The New Testament reading comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Listen for the word of the Lord. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, open our hearts and minds that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear what you are saying to us today. Now let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, through Christ. Amen. The subject for this morning is one pursuit. Our particular text reveals Paul's honesty about where he is in his Christian journey. He has nothing to hide. He is transparent that he lacks something at this point in his ministry. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal. The understanding would have been an athletic imagery which the audience would have been familiar with because of the Greek athletic games. The word this in verse 12 refers back to verse 10, where Paul states, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death. To obtain this 
was to be able to run and catch up to and take hold of Jesus. Not having already reached the goal was a sense of getting to the finish line or completing the race where Paul would be perfected by more deeply knowing Christ. His honesty about where he was in the race to know Christ required self-assessment, self-reflection, and confidence to claim his imperfection. Paul had a stellar Christian resume. If anyone could claim perfection, it was him. He founded many churches, suffered persecution for the gospel's sake, and many souls were surely saved through his evangelism. Yet, Paul did not rest on his laurels. He was not going to be complacent in his gains in Christ. He knew that if he were going to mature in the fullness of his faith, he would have to continually strive for the goal of knowing Christ in the perfection of the resurrection. A sect of believers denied any law in the Christian life. They thought because they were in the grace of God, they could do whatever they wanted to do and God would forgive them. There was no discipline for them, nor was any effort necessary. Also in Judaism, the Qumran community required themselves, regarded themselves as perfect because of their obedience to the law. Even Paul, the man who had once hunted Christians and witnessed Stephen's martyrdom, among other persecutions of the followers of Jesus, was deemed perfect under the law. He knew to live in the perfection of knowing and experiencing Christ's deep and abiding love, there was no room for complacency. A complacent Christian is a stagnant Christian who is spiritually satisfied with the status quo and only dares to step a toe in the waters outside of their comfort zone. Complacent Christians do not prioritize Christ in their thoughts, words, and actions. They go along to get along. We see complacency in sports. Some college and pro teams have been up by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter only to change their game plan, lose ground, and the opposing team rally, and sometimes win the game. We see complacency in life. Sometimes we fail to get out of the box where we feel safe and trust God, stepping out on faith, which keeps us from growing in our gifts. We can be stuck in the mud. Complacency can also be seen in the church. Somewhere along the way, an individual or a congregation who once had zeal for the Lord finds themselves on the sidelines of inviting others to church, participating in the church's ministries, a faithful prayer life, and or attending church. Complacency opposes our convictions in Christ. We must not shorten our stride in running toward the finish line. To know Christ completely, Paul said that he had to press on to make Christ his own. To press on was not to slow walk his faith for Christ, but a verb that means to chase, run after, or pursue. To make Christ his own was for Paul to endeavor to take hold of Jesus because Jesus took hold 
of him. On the road to Damascus on his way to capture and persecute Christians, Christ knocked him off of his high horse and seized his heart and mind because Christ had a vision and purpose for him. Now Paul would press on that he might lay hold of him or make Christ his own, not as a response to what Christ had done, but the completion of God's purpose for his life. To make Christ his own, he takes us from a larger general perspective to a highly focused view as though he was looking through the lens of a microscope when he says, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what lies behind was to say that Paul would never glory in his achievements or use them as an excuse for relaxation. In effect, Paul said Christians must forget all that they had done and only remember what they still must do. Like a horse with blinders, believers must be focused. Stretch forward with each stride and use every fiber of their muscles, trusting in the grace of God to get to the finish line for Christ, who is ahead of them in the resurrection. This one thing was not a this and then that situation, letting go of our former life or nostalgia, and then once that is accomplished, then, then looking forward to Christ. No, this one thing for Paul was simultaneously forgetting what was behind, a persecutor being beaten and stoned, and someone who would later have a successful ministry, and at the same time strain toward the finish line. But there would need to be a singular ambition, not one, not two, not three, to be perfected in the knowledge of Christ. One pursuit. When we pursue Christ, we will look to his grace, live in it, and one day perfectly know him. Are you in the race? Are you willing to pick up the pace? There are three things we ought to think about in our race for Christ. First, our imperfections shape our journey. The Christian journey is not about having figured it all out. While we might seek perfection, it won't be until we get on the other side of glory that we will be perfected in Christ. However, every now and again, we need to assess where we are in our faith journey. It is not about being overly critical about what can, we can improve on, but it is about knowing that we are a work in progress and there is still work to do. No matter how long we have been in the race, God can mold us and use us. Paul would have been a Christian around 30 years old when he wrote this letter to the Philippian church. And yet, after all he had accomplished, he recognized that maturing in Christ would come with continually leaning toward Christ. Some of us have been Christians for 
50 plus years, 30 plus years, and others since elementary, middle, or high school. Many of us have grown and been recognized for our great gifts and work in Christ, which is a blessing. But it is in and through our imperfections and faults that we stretch out for Christ and where something new awaits us. New growth, new grace, new opportunities, new ways of demonstrating love for our neighbors, and new horizons that we might know Christ's purpose for our lives. Seeking after Christ to mature in his love is not a passive experience or a mindset that God will work it out, although God will work it out. It is lengthening our stride that we might become more fit for Christ, pumping our arms that we might live and strive in greater righteousness in a broken world, keeping our heads up that we might discern and act on God's presence and giving it our all so that we might know, experience, and serve others more in Christ's love. Most importantly, recognizing our imperfections convicts us of the need for Christ's perfecting power and presence in our lives and the world. But we must keep our eyes fixed on the prize in pursuing Christ. We cannot look back. In the Christian journey, looking back distracts us from the goal of Christ, God's purpose ahead of us, and it will shorten our strides. Luke 17 and 32 remind us of the perils of its perils by saying, remember Lot's wife. She became a pillar of salt in Genesis 19 for looking back, not heeding the warning of God's command. The one thing an athlete should never do in a race is to look back. Paul says in verse 13, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind as to say we serve a God in Christ who has already paid the full price for our sins and has claimed us as his own and has already forgiven us. Live in victory today. We are not to look back on our sins or failures. We are not even to look back on our successes. Looking back on what we have done can cause us to be complacent in our faith, stuck in our circumstances, or just thinking about the good old days. Looking back causes us to fail to see the finish line and miss God's grace and glory so that we might pursue Christ with all of our hearts, souls, and minds. We are called to have one pursuit, and we must strain forward, holding nothing back for Christ, who is ahead of us. Throughout our lives, we have different pursuits. Many we accomplish, Others we only dream of. Some pursuits are expected of us by family. Some pursuits entice us. Others are a distraction. But there is one pursuit that matters, and that is for Christ. 
Pursuing Christ is more than a Sunday event. It is a Monday through Sunday mission in our lives. We must pursue Christ in our thoughts and actions. If you haven't yet pursued Christ, convict yourself that you must pick up the pace. If you want to serve in the church's ministries, make certain that you are looking toward Christ alone. We must not rest on our laurels or hang our hats on the past accomplishments or fears, but be in hot pursuit of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and claim him as our own. Lastly, we must not stop short of the finish line. Christ gave believers a personal summons at the beginning of our calling to view the finish line. The same reason why Paul raced to reach the goal is why we should, to receive the prize of knowing Christ more in the perfection of his resurrection. Like Paul, we cannot take our foot off the pedal or go into cruise control. We must press forward toward the mark with persistence, prayer, and participation so that we might be made more complete in the same call that came at the beginning of our Christian journey and more so each and every day. Pressing on seeks to take hold of Christ. It's reaching out to grasp Christ with everything we have. The one who first apprehended us when we were in the dark and now in the light of Christ. The prize hasn't changed, but our striving and straining to grow in the love and knowledge of Christ should become more intense. I am so grateful that as I have gotten older and my glasses prescriptions have gotten stronger, my vision for the finish line is more apparent today than when I was younger. We must see the finish line for ourselves and press toward Christ, finding joy in the journey, sharing what we have in life with others, and being willing to pass the baton of hope that in crossing the finish line, we will meet Christ face to face and be perfected in his love. Brothers and sisters in Christ, with all that is going on in the world and our lives, there is only one pursuit. We must let our bygones be bygones. What is in the past is in the past. We must not be complacent or content in Christ. We must look to the resurrection, pressing on, pushing forward, leaning in and giving it our all to live in the perfect knowledge of Jesus Christ. Our pursuit for Christ is never-ending and ever-growing where we are to be in love with God and our neighbors and see through a Christ-like lens where we can live in victory. Don't lose your gaze for Christ. Know that a fresh and unexpected grace awaits you and your imperfections or whatever situation you may be in or are going through. Strain forward in Christ in every aspect of your life. Live in one pursuit and receive heavenly hope today and eternally. 
To God be the glory. Amen.